Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. Of course, on this program, you're allowed to call in and ask Bible questions, make your comments. Lines are wide open. This would be a good time to call. Uh, that number to call if you have a Bible question or comment right now, if you want to get on the air, is 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about a uh, story we read in Mark 6 about John the Baptist's encounter with Herod and Herodias. And I want to ask this question before I read this account. We're going to read about a dispute between John the Baptist and Herod and Herodias. And, and I think we need to ask ourselves this question. By our actions and our teaching and our practice today, are we taking John the Baptist's side in this dispute? Or are we taking Herod and Herodias' side in this dispute? That's what we need to ask. Now, let me read Mark 6, 17 and 18, and let's talk about what the dispute actually was. Here's how that passage reads. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him, see what I mean by a dispute, and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod, on his birthday, made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced, and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto half of my kingdom. And she went forth, that would be the damsel, and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison and, and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. So here's the story. Herod and Herodias are in an unscriptural marriage based upon, I guess, Old Testament law. Okay, that The Old Testament law was still in effect at this time. John the Baptist tells them their marriage is unlawful in God's sight. Herodias gets so mad that she orders John the Baptist's head cut off. Now, I want you to notice that John is not just saying it was wrong for Herod to marry Herodias. That's true. What he really says is that it's not lawful for Herod to have her. Meaning God, through John, is demanding that the marriage be terminated. You see that? Now ask yourself the question. By our belief and practice today, by your the church where you go, their belief and practice, are they taking John the Baptist's side in this dispute or Herodias' side? Let's keep examining that question. But if you have a Bible question or comment, be sure and call us at 877-655-6755.
The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Now let's think about New Testament unscriptural marriages. And let me turn to Matthew 19.9. There Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Well, that that's maybe easier said than done, but that passage is pretty clear. If a man divorces his wife for any reason other than fornication and marries another woman, Jesus is calling that second marriage adulterous. Now, let's think about this in relation to what we learn with John the Baptist's dispute with Herod and Herodias. If we are not requiring such adulterous marriages, I mean adulterous marriages as defined by the New Testament law in Matthew 19.9, if we're not requiring such adulterous marriages to be terminated today, aren't we taking Herodias' side in that dispute? Remember, John the Baptist represents God. He says to Herod and Herodias, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. In other words, Herod, you should terminate the marriage to Herodias. It's an unscriptural marriage for whatever reasons during the Old Testament times. Herodias gets so mad that she has John the Baptist's head cut off. John the Baptist lost his head because he stood for the truth on divorce and remarriage in his day. Now, are we standing for the truth on divorce and remarriage in our day? Based upon New Testament passages, Matthew 19.9 tells us what the truth is. If you divorce your spouse for any reason other than fornication and marry another, you commit adultery. And of course, you can't stay in that marriage. It would be unlawful for you to stay in an adulterous marriages, just like it was unlawful for Herod to be in that unlawful marriage with Herodias. But if the church we belong to does not is not requiring people in their second and third marriages that violate Matthew 19.9 to terminate such marriages, then in effect, they're taking Herodias' side in the dispute with John the Baptist. Herodias wanted John the Baptist, who represented God's position, was standing for the truth with God's doctrine. Herodias had his head cut off because he told her and her husband they need to terminate their marriage. Yet today, most preachers, most churches, I would say about 95%, maybe 99%, say the same thing as Herod and Herodias want to say or wanted to say. They will not stand with John the Baptist. They will say, if you're in an unscriptural marriage, unscriptural marriage, an adulterous marriage, by the definition of Matthew 19, 9, it's okay to stay in it. In other words, they're saying, John the Baptist, you're wrong. You are dumb for standing for the truth there and losing your head because Herod and Herodias could just stay in that marriage. Why did you object to it and lose your head because of it? <laughs> but we know what the truth is. We know the truth is that if a couple's in an unscriptural marriage, an adulterous marriage, as defined by Matthew 19, 9, they've got to terminate that unlawful marriage. But when churches won't stand for the truth on this and say that they can stay in these these second and third marriages that violate Matthew 19.9, then they're, in effect, taking Herodias' side in the dispute. In effect, they're saying Herodias was right for chopping John the Baptist's head off. I know that's pretty extreme, but that's simply the facts of the case. Doug from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comments, please. Hi. Um, you brought up some real good points here. Um, and... Uh, I'm quite familiar with Matthew 19 and Matthew 5 on this issue. Um, I married uh, my first wife uh, back in 89, and we were married for uh, 
12 years, and she was an unbeliever, uh, which was wrong of me to do in the first place, and I was a bit young and immature. Were you um, her first husband? She, were you her first husband? Yes. Yes. Okay. And she All divorced right. me. She she divorced me later uh, after 12 years, and then uh, I married, remarried in uh, 2014 and married a believer. And I'm wondering if uh, if that's still considered adulterous uh, as per Matthew 19. Well, in Matthew 19:9, we emphasize the first part of that, but the second part says. Whosoever marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Now, right. of course, we're going to switch the genders here. We're going to switch the genders around because this applies yep. to females and males the same way. So it's basically if we switch the genders, it's saying whoever marries him which is put away doth commit adultery. So, yes, yep. Yep. you're in your second marriage. Yep. Your first wife divorced you. I assume she divorced you unscripturally. You didn't cheat on her, right? That's correct. That's correct. So she divorced you unscripturally. So if your first wife right. remarries, she's committing adultery. Yep. And if you remarry, you're committing adultery. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 19, 9. Whoever marries that put right. away person, which you are, commits adultery. Now, right. Doug, I, I don't so mean, I'm not trying to be ugly, but if the church you worship with no, says it's okay for you to stay in the marriage, then my point is they're, in effect, taking Herodias' side in the dispute that John the Baptist had with Herod and Herodias. Because John the Baptist said unlawful marriages have to be terminated. Herodias didn't like it, had her head cut off. And now preachers today, they won't stand for the same yes. thing as John the Baptist. They'll just say it's okay, stay in it. Who cares? Yes. You know, Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead, no, Doug. I, I think I cut you off there. No, that's all right, brother. Uh, I appreciate the explanation. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's got me uh, feeling like I need to do some repenting here. And uh, so the bottom yep. line is, uh, even in a uh, marriage to an unbeliever, once, you, once you're married, you're done, and you need to stay single the rest of your life. Um, you know, even to an unbeliever, in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 through 15, it talks about being married to an unbeliever. Okay? I think we I agree with you. There are passages that teach us we should marry to an unbeliever. But once you do... Right. You're in that marriage. First Corinthians seven says you should stay in it. So that's a valid marriage. You're marriage to an unbeliever. Once you do it, it's a valid right. marriage. Okay. So right. nobody, you don't have the right to to get out of that marriage or to contract a second marriage unless your spouse dies or unless your spouse commits adultery and you divorce them for that reason. You follow me? Right. I do. Yeah. As I far do. as I appreciate, it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Herod and Rodius believers. Would you? Oh, absolutely not. No, I mean, they killed yeah, John the Baptist. Not. Yet, But John the Baptist is looking at a marriage between two unbelievers, and he, he says it's unscriptural. He's, in effect, saying when he said it's not lawful for you to have her, he's saying you've got to terminate that marriage, if, you know, if you want to repent and be forgiven. And, of course, obviously they're not willing. It didn't seem to me that Herod yeah. got so mad, <laughs> but Herodias really got mad. You know, she shot the messenger, didn't she, Doug? Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate the clarification, brother. Thank you, and God bless. Doug, thank you for your call. Okay, take care. Bye. Same to you. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Now, I got a quote here from a guy named Anthony Dunavant from the Orange County, California Register. Don't, I, he's not a Christian. This is a liberal. 
But I think what he admits is true is very significant. He said, some conservative groups believe that divorced people who marry another person are living in sin. Well, that's what Matthew 19, 9 says. If you divorce and marry another, you're living in adultery. He said, however, the number of divorces in the United States has led most denominations away from that teaching. Now, notice he didn't say most churches used to say that divorced and remarried couples were living in sin, adultery, but they restudied the Bible and, and came to the conclusion that it was okay to stay in these marriages. That's not what he said. He said the number of divorces has led most denominations away from that teaching. What he's saying is most churches, if you go back far enough, certainly all churches used to stand for the truth on this issue if you go back 100 years ago. If you go back far enough, most churches stood for the truth on this, but they've compromised because of the number of divorces. Hey, it's easy to stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage when only one marriage out of 100 ends in divorce. But now when they say 50% of marriages end in divorce, and they say most churches, 20 to 30% of the membership is in a second or third marriage that violates Matthew 19.9. If the preacher stands for the truth on it, like John the Baptist, now I don't think he's going to lose his head over it, but he's going to might lose some members because they may get mad at him for preaching the truth and saying their marriage is unscriptural. Lose some contribution so the preachers won't teach against it. <laughs> Isn't that something? John the Baptist was willing to teach against it, even though he lost his head. And we have most preachers today that are not willing to preach on it, preach against adulterous marriages, even though they're, because they're afraid they're going to lose a few members. What a difference in John the Baptist, the courage of John the Baptist in most preachers today. If you're part of a congregation that's allowing these people in the second or third marriages that violate Matthew 19.9 to stay in these marriages, then in effect... You're compromising and you're siding with Herodias in her dispute with John the Baptist. John the Baptist stood for the truth, for God, had the courage to do it. Herodias had his head cut off. And now we're going to take the side of Herodias and call ourselves Christians, call ourselves followers of God. When we take the side of Herodias, who had John the Baptist's head cut off, for standing for the truth on divorce and remarriage and demanding that her Herod and Herodias terminate their marriage, Nowadays, most preachers, most churches say, no, if you divorce and remarriage, maybe that's regrettable, but stay in the marriage you're in. Hardly any of them are willing to say it's not lawful for you to have her, just like John the Baptist did. You know, 1984 Methodist Creed book, here's what it says. The 1984 version of the Methodist Creed book says, where marriage partners, even after thoughtful consideration and counsel, are estranged beyond reconciliation, we recognize divorce as regrettable, but recognize the right of divorced persons to remarry. Now, if you go back 100 years ago, the Methodist Church stood for the truth on divorce and remarriage. If you'll, if you'll write me or call me or whatever, I can send you some quotes from older Methodist Creed books to prove that. But here in 1984, they're saying divorce is regrettable, but we recognize the right of divorced persons to remarry. Now, in our story in Mark 6, Herod had divorced his wife. Herodias had divorced her husband, according to secular history. Now they're married. Did John the Baptist recognize the right of them to marry each other? Certainly not. When they got married, he said, it's not lawful for you to have her. And he lost his head because of it. And most preachers today are not willing to say a word against it because they might lose a few members. It's the difference in his courage and their courage and their willingness to stand for the truth is like night and day. What about the congregation where you worship? As I said, statistics say 
that in the great majority of congregations, 20 to 25% of the members are couples in second or third marriages that violate Matthew 19.9, and the churches just go along with it. Not a single person in those congregations is like John the Baptist at all, because if they were like John the Baptist, they would say to those couples, it's not lawful for you to have her. You're going to have to get out of that marriage. You're going to have to terminate that marriage in order to be right with God. William from Colorado, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay, now listen to this. Uh, I divorced my first wife because she committed adultery on me. And I divorced my second wife because I committed adultery on her so that she could remarry without committing adultery. Think of that. Well, <laughs> you, the way that Jesus put it in Matthew nineteen nine, not only does your spouse have to commit fornication, you have to be the one to divorce them for fornication. So for your second wife to be able to remarry, she would have had to have divorced you for fornication, not the other way around. You see what I mean? Uh, yeah, I had some really jacked up thinking back then. But... <laughs> Here's what Jesus said. Let me read it one more time. Whoever shall put away sure. his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery. It doesn't sound like your wife did that. It didn't sound like she divorced you for your adultery. No. She could have, but she it didn't. Not. Therefore, she doesn't have right. the right to, right to remarry. It doesn't look like to me. Thank you for your call, William. You got any follow-up? Nope, I'm good with it, brother. Have a good day. Thank you, thank, thank you, William. See you later. All Bye. Right. Let me read another passage. I read Matthew 19.9. I like to say that Matthew 19.9 states the facts of the case. If you divorce your wife for any reason other than fornication and remarry, you commit adultery. And whoever marries the put-away person commits adultery. That's the facts of the case. I like to say Romans 7, 2, and 3 gives us the reason, the why. It says, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So I've been married to Carol for 33 years, happily married. If Carol were to divorce me, maybe I don't cut the grass often enough. And she marries another man. This passage says she's an adulteress because I'm still alive. As long as I'm alive, Carol is bound or obligated to me. That's the force of the passage. It wouldn't make any difference that the state of Alabama granted her a divorce and granted her another marriage. It wouldn't make any difference. God says she's bound to me, obligated to me as long as I live. So that if she gets married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. That's what the text says, because I'm still living. Now, if I die, this passage says she has the right to contract another marriage. But if she contracts a second or a third marriage while I'm still alive, I'm her original husband. This says she's still bound to me, obligated to me as long as I'm alive. Therefore, she's cheating on me, even though the state of Alabama is allowing the divorce and remarriage. Doesn't make any difference. She's still cheating on me because this verse says she's bound or obligated to me. And if we're not standing for the truth on this, if we're not requiring adulterous marriages to be broken up and terminated for people to be considered faithful to God, then aren't we taking Herodias's side in the dispute she had with John the Baptist in Mark 6? We are, aren't we? John the Baptist said, it's not lawful for you to have her. Herod, Herodias got mad, had his head cut off. And now we're taking the side of Herodias who cut off, John the, had his, John the Baptist's head cut off, we're taking her side because we 
are allowing these second and third marriages, adulterous marriages, according to Matthew 19, 9. We're in effect saying, no, John, you shouldn't have done that. Herod and Herodias were okay with staying in that marriage because that's what preachers and churches are telling people today. It's okay to stay in these second and third marriages that violate Matthew 19, 9. They're taking the side of Herodias, who had God's messenger, John the Baptist's head cut off because he stood for the truth on divorce and remarriage. Who's willing to stand for the truth today on divorce and remarriage? Is your preacher, is your church willing to do it? Who, if they are, it's very rare. Let me go to a, an Old Testament passage. Let me read Ezra 10, verses 10, 11. It says, And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, Give us a call at 877-655-6755. Now, from this passage in Ezra, it was for a different reason, but Ezra was requiring these people in these marriages to separate from their wives. Do you see that? How many modern preachers are willing to say what John the Baptist said and what Ezra said? They're willing to tell men or ladies in unscriptural marriage to today per 19, Matthew 19, 9, that they need to separate. Is it? It's for a different reason. I'll admit that. And it's in the Old Testament. I'm just using it as an illustration. But Ezra's saying, you need to separate yourselves from these strange wives. Who's willing to tell that to wives and husbands today? You need to separate because your marriage is adulterous, according to Jesus in Matthew 19, 9. Who's willing to do that? And guess what? If we're going to compromise on adulterous marriages and allow couples to stay in adulterous marriages and not demand that they repent in order to be forgiven of God, what's going to come next? What's going to come next? Well, I'll suggest that compromise on adulterous marriage leads next to compromise on gay marriage. Brandon from Kentucky, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I was wanting to ask uh, the biblical reason for 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 divorce and fornication. If there's domestic violence going on in the in the uh, couple's life, should they just separate or remain married? Well, let's say Jesus said here, "Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery." That's Matthew nineteen nine. Brandon, let me re- let you let me read to you Matthew five thirty two. See if you can answer your own question. Matthew 5, 32, Jesus says, Whoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, and causeth her to commit adultery. So what does it sound like Jesus is saying there in both of those passages, Brandon? Let me read to you Matthew 5, 32. Well, I guess I should stay married then. Yeah, he's saying that the only scriptural cause for divorce is if your spouse cheats on you. That's the only scriptural cause. Right, so that's what right. we need to preach. Right, Brandon? Okay. Right. So Any, they need to anything else, Brandon? But they just separate and don't seem to get out of the violence. Well, they have, they have, when you marry, you marry for life. Now, if your right. spouse is beating you, you should call the police. Not the divorce right. lawyer. You should call the police, okay? Because okay. you're bound for life. You're, when you get married, you're supposed to stay married for life, okay? Okay. Right. Thank you. Appreciate that, Brandon. Have a good day. I think we might be 
losing a, their connection there. So compromise on adulterous marriage almost always inevitably, inevitably leads to compromise on gay marriage. Sure enough, we read the United Methodist Church Creed book in 1984. Now listen to what they say in 2015. United Methodist Church leadership voted to submit a legislative proposal that removes prohibitive language from the United Methodist Book of Discipline concerning homosexuality. The proposal would allow United Methodist pastors to perform same-sex marriages in United Methodist churches. The proposal does not consider homosexuality incompatible with Christian teachings, even though Methodists have historically recognized the practice as sinful. It's just what I said. I mean, if you accept adulterous marriages, Long enough, sooner or later, you're going to start accepting gay marriages because if you can accept marriages, adulterous marriages, why can't you accept gay marriages? I mean, they're both wrong. Let me mention about my website before I go off there. If you want to, BibleCrossfire.com, if you want to listen to old programs or sign up for a correspondence course or send me an email, go to BibleCrossfire.com.